Welcome to The Edge by MGR with your host, David Gill. Hey everybody, welcome to The Edge by MGR, David Gill, your host here, and today is a news recap episode, the weekly update episode. Uh, Real quick, I wanted to say before we get into it, if you did not listen to Tuesday's episode, it was a good one, it's gotten a lot of good feedback so far. I talked about how blockchain tokens and security tokens more specifically could completely revolutionize the finance world over the next few years. I went, I talked about 30 minutes about it. It's pretty in-depth if you're interested in cryptocurrencies or blockchain and getting a good understanding of where the world might be headed. I would suggest giving it a listen. Anyways, let's get into the news. It's time for the news. So the first major story of this week is about Uber. Uber joined in on a $335 million investment round in the electronic scooter company Lime. Um, What separates this from a regular investment is that it comes as a partnership between the two companies, not just, you know, purely, here you go, here's some cash go run with it. Uh, Uber is going to promote Lime within the Uber app. And of course, they're going to slap their logo on many of their scooters as well. But this is all part of Uber's strategy to become a hub of all things sharing economy transportation. Uh, They also bought Jump Bikes, a e-bike, an electronic bike company startup back in April for an estimated 200 billion. The number is not completely clear, but it was estimated around there, 200 million. So now these are two major investments this year that they've made into the uh, sharing transportation space that doesn't actually pertain to cars. It's scooters and bikes. And the goal for Uber is that no matter what type of transportation you need, you simply open the Uber app and there's plenty of options available to you. I agree with this strategy, and I certainly agree with them diversifying their revenue streams simply from ride sharing via cars. Remember, you know, they might be valued at $70 billion or whatever their future uh, investment uh, round may value them at, but they have yet to make a profit. And profit is certainly not a priority for them in the short term. And I'm not saying it should be. You know, they're following the Amazon approach, which I've talked about a lot as well, kind of Amazon, Netflix, all these companies that spend a lot. They spend aggressively to gain market control and Obviously, that spending comes at the cost of short-term profits. Makes sense. But Uber is going to have to show investors a path, at least, to to profitability if they want to keep raising money at even higher valuations. I mean, this works when you're a $2 billion company, $3 billion company, etc., etc., but when you're already valued at $70 billion, and if they want to go public or if they want to raise another round at, say, $100 billion or more, they're going to have to show a path to profitability at least for people to come on board. That's exactly what Amazon does, right? Amazon on the surface doesn't make much money, but 
that's because they sacrifice it, right? They could be making hand over fist amounts of profits, but they take those profits and reinvest them. The problem with Uber is they don't necessarily even have profits to reinvest in the first place. They're mostly just living off of investor money right now. So by creating uh, new ventures and going into new areas like electronic scooters and electronic bikes where they can where they can quickly deploy those services within their massive user base and get basically instantly instant revenue from people using those services uh they're going to be able to add potential profit streams for the future that will show that hey we're not just a cash burning machine we're actually a real profitable business we're just taking those profits and reinvesting them so i think it's a definitely a good idea for them to be investing in this space and not to mention like i said it all molds together the grander plan of being the transportation hub the transportation app for everyday life Another major news story this week is that esports is coming to ESPN. ESPN struck a deal with Blizzard, the maker of the very popular first-person shooter game Overwatch. Uh, they are going to be broadcasting the league's grand finals on the weekend of July 27th. The games will not only air on ESPN, though. By the way, they're going to be on the or the championship match will be on ABC. That's the first time that esports are going to be on network television in the U.S. I think this is a great deal for both sides. Obviously, Blizzard, the game company, they're getting their game broadcasted to millions of homes across the U.S., so it's definitely a win there, and they're getting paid for it by ESPN, obviously. But I think this is also a great deal for ESPN. ESPN, you know, they've been making many strategic maneuvers over the last 24 months after kind of falling face first into a cable cutting crisis they overpaid for sports like the MLB to the rights to the MLB and MLB tonight which was their kind of tag along show uh, which the viewership just has been consistently dropping they don't even do much MLB tonight anymore except towards later in the season when it used to be a full season thing but now they've gone all in on their digital presence and are focusing on sports that people quite frankly watch uh you know they kind of waited way too long to build out a strong digital presence as i said but now they're going all in they launched espn plus a few months back back uh, i was in april i believe it's five dollars a month online only subscription service for exclusive espn content and they've also invested into growing sports like the nba and now esports all of this is part of their strategy to grow within the 18 to 34 audience which a couple years back it seemed like they had almost all but lost even their monday night football deal the nfl still being very popular the monday night football they were pretty much overpaying for that too because very few people were watching monday night football as compared to sunday night and the regular sunday games so i think this is only the very beginning of disney and espn's push into esports i've talked a lot about Disney's overall digital strategy and how they are coming with their platform. I talked about their deal with Fox and how this affects Netflix. I have whole articles and podcasts on mgredge.com if you want to check that out. But yes, I would anticipate even more deals like this to come in the future for esports and for other maybe non-traditional uh, sports coming to ESPN in the future. 
Also this week, the secretive $2.3 billion augmented reality startup Magic Leap, the one that's based out of Orlando, Florida, the rare uh, Silicon Valley unicorn, or I should say tech unicorn that's not out of Silicon Valley. They're in Orlando. Uh, They're coming out of the shadows a little bit. They announced earlier this year that they would be coming with a pair of uh, consumer level AR goggles sometime in 2018 and now they've come out and said that the product will ship this summer. The bigger news in all of this though is that AT&T announced that they will be the sole distributor of the new Magic Leap 1 headset. That's the name of their new headset. Uh, This is an interesting approach for Magic Leap. On the one hand they're limiting their potential sales by cutting off access to obviously many other potential distribution channels, whether it be through retail stores or online, Amazon, whatever. But because AT&T knows that they will be the sole beneficiary of any marketing and advertising efforts of the Magic Leap 1, since they're the only ones who are going to be selling it, uh, they will likely push the product much more than they would have otherwise. And It's funny because this is exactly what happened during the initial release of the iPhone, right? If you remember, AT&T was the sole carrier of the iPhone for the first few generations. And when the iPhone came out, AT&T spent major advertising dollars pushing the product on Apple's behalf. Magic Leap is a tech company and they're run mostly by engineers and developers. So bringing on a partner like AT&T to access their sales experience and distribution channels, of course, could prove to be a pretty good idea. What it really allows Magic Leap to do is remain focused on the further development of their technology because obviously this is the first You know, this is like the iPhone 1 for them. So, yes, it's very cool and it's very advanced compared to what else is on the market. But there's still a long way to go before these goggles are really ready for the masses, I guess you could say. Not to mention the actual price point is probably going to be somewhere between $1,000 and $1,500, if not more. So they've got a lot lot more to go on the development side. So if they're taking the approach of we don't want to necessarily become a full sales and marketing enterprise just yet. Let's outsource that to AT&T, who's already very good at it and has a lot of capital at their disposal to do just that thing, then we can take the money we make from that and continue to develop our technology. So we'll see how it works out for them. I think it could end up being a good idea in the long term, or I'm saying in the short term, but in the long term, I wouldn't anticipate this deal lasting forever, similar to how the iPhone stopped being only AT&T after a couple generations. And now it's time for the weekly self-driving car update. I don't intend to do this, but I just feel like there's new self-driving car news that comes out every week. And hey, I'm interested in it. So we're going to talk about it. So Google, uh, or I should say Waymo, more specifically, Google's Waymo, unveiled their new self-driving SUV prototype. They are making them in partnership with Jaguar, and they're planning on having an official rollout later this year. This is all part of Waymo's roadmap. That was a cheeky little pun right there. Did you hear that? Get it? Roadmap? Like it's self-driving cars. Anyways, <laughs> in, in, so it's part of their roadmap where they're planning to, planning to have 20,000 of these uh, SUVs, these vehicles, by 2020. And they say that they will be able to give over 1 million rides per day. In contrast to most self-driving cars out there, though, Waymo and Jaguar are building the iPace, that's the name of the car, from the ground up 
to be a self-driving electric car rather than retrofitting a current or older model like every other company is and even Waymo has been doing with some of their Chrysler minivans that they've been using. Uh, by designing these vehicles from the ground up with the sole intent of them being anon autonomous, <laughs> anonymous, autonomous, they hope that it can solve a lot of the design problems and problems that go into jerry-rigging an existing car to be a self-driving car. Um, I anticipate Waymo to be a serious competitor of Uber and Lyft because Google has a massive user base. But the important thing to remember here is that Google, not just through their user base, but they have this ecosystem of products and through things like Google Assistant, right, their Google Homes, which have been selling like crazy and through Google Maps, they could very much bring in millions of users to the Waymo ecosystem of ride sharing and take them away from Uber and Lyft. Because for example, you could say, you know, okay, Google, order me a car to, you know, this restaurant, and then it's going to automatically order you a Waymo instead of ordering you an Uber. Or for example, you're in Google Maps, you type in the directions to some place, and then it automatically pops up, hey, do you want to take a Waymo to get there? These are serious uh, problems for Google or, or for Uber and Lyft that they're going to have to deal with. Because like I said, Google has millions and millions and millions of users. They have the ability to really dominate this market in a few years. We'll see what happens. And also, Daimler, the uh, parent company of Mercedes-Benz, announced that they will be rolling out a self-driving taxi service in 2019 as well. This will only be limited testing. Um, they're going to be partnering with Bosch and NVIDIA to handle the brains of the car, all of the actual self-driving car components. But needless to say, the competition in this space is certainly heating up. One could even say there's going to be way mo competition in the ride sharing space soon okay i've met my pun quota for the day i've met my self-driving car news update uh quota for the day let's talk about facebook Facebook is bringing on major news outlets to Facebook Watch. So they're launching a new news section under the Facebook Watch tab on, face on Facebook, obviously. Um, it's going to feature up to 20 media outlets, I believe, in the beginning, including like CNN, Fox News, ABC, Bloomberg, and others. Uh, this is going to launch on July 16th, so in a few days. All of the partners will be creating custom content uh, just made for Facebook in addition to some of the other content that they put on like their TV channels and other media platforms. Um, you know, this does a few things for Facebook, or I should say three main things, all of which should be positive. The first two, uh, let me roll through them real quick. One, it shows that they're actively trying to increase their trustworthiness of the of, of the Facebook platform by bringing on established journalists, established media companies, and it also shows their commitment to publisher monetization. Right now, Facebook doesn't have a good method to monetize creator content in the way that sites like YouTube do. Uh, this has led to a lot of complaint from creators, individuals, and publishers. Uh, you know, it's a large reason why many of them have not really embraced the Facebook Watch platform, despite it having millions of users, or billions of users, really, potentially, uh, because it's Facebook. But they can't really figure out the monetization. But if they can figure it out, then they will certainly attract more creators that are obviously going to always be looking for newer revenue streams. But for me, what this shows 
most is Facebook's full intention of becoming an even larger media platform. I've discussed before that Facebook is in an arms race for content with, you know, the likes of Google and Netflix and Amazon and Disney and all these other media companies or wannabe media companies in the case of, say, Google or whatever, uh, and even other companies as well. But this is further proof that they're accepting that challenge. You know, they've been keen on attracting sports audiences, for example. They've inked deals with the MLB and the MLS and other soccer leagues and other uh, smaller basketball leagues. And, you know, by adding a wide range of news outlets, and they also announced that they're going to do the same thing, uh, what they're doing for news, as as they are going to do for gaming soon, too, uh, because gaming is obviously all the rage. I talked about ESPN. Twitch has been uh, blowing up recently, too. So Facebook wants to get on gaming, too. They're clearly showing that they're willing to up the ante on their content spending. And, well, quite frankly, they can afford it. Facebook is drowning in money, and their revenues keep growing year by year as their ad platform shows how good it is and how much of an ROI it can bring. Then, obviously, more and more advertisers like you know, agencies such as ourselves encourage our clients to please advertise on Facebook because it's such a good ROI, right? More and more money is coming into the platform. Facebook's making more and more so they can afford to make investments into more content. And I actually think they're not being aggressive enough. It's only a matter of time before one of the major tech companies, whether it be Amazon or Facebook or whoever, uh, make a major bid for some huge content play like at the World Cup or maybe the Olympics or and it doesn't even necessarily have to be sports it could be something else but I think it's only a matter of time before you see one of these platforms make a huge investment like that and I think Facebook should be the first I don't see a reason why they wouldn't be uh, it's more of a strategy decision on their end but I think they should be more aggressive Facebook you're making a ton of money now is the time to capitalize on it Anyways, guys, thank you so much for listening. I want to say um, I'm going to start taking this podcast that you just listened to, the Thursday podcast, because it's a like a weekly recap, and uploading it to mgredge.com and also making it a weekly newsletter. So if you didn't want to listen to it, you can read it instead and kind of get the bullet points and scroll through it quickly. So go to mgredge.com. That will be uploaded every Friday morning, actually, because it's going to be the Friday weekly news cap recap and then uh, the email will go out on Friday as well. I'll have a link to join the email list if you're not on it already. But anyways, guys, thank you so much for listening. Have a great night or day or afternoon, whatever. Goodbye.